You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Reckless speculation. That's right. It's a reckless speculation Thursday on Tuesday because that's when we get the bonus scoop from our guy, Darren Doogie Wolfson, Channel 5 Eyewitness News, and also the Scoop Podcast. It's Judd. It's Declan. It is Doogie. Doogie, let's start here. Yes, sir. Uh, Friday night news dump a little bit. Zadarius Smith traded by the Vikings to Cleveland in exchange of draft picks. Were you ultimately surprised at all that the Vikings didn't get more back for Zadarius Smith? No, not ultimately surprised based on the way his new agent, Eric Burkhart, was negotiating the terms. I mean, Eric Burkhart drove the bus on this transaction, but considering that he wanted a reworked deal, all the intricacies involved, no, I'm not surprised. In fact, you know, like, I don't think it's a complete F or D minus on the Viking side. I mean, to get back Mm -hmm. two fives, but you're right. Yeah. I mean, I'm sitting out on the ball field coaching little league baseball on Friday, religiously looking at my phone. One of the assistant coaches is like, Dukes, what the heck are you doing? I'm like, well, there's some breaking news, but it was impossible to really truly navigate in that moment. But all the national folks were, were all over it. But yeah, I mean, I mentioned with you guys, I think last Thursday, I was leaning what toward like 75% ish Zadarius being elsewhere, but wasn't quite to 100% because truly Judd, like make no mistake about this. The Vikings would have loved to have found a way to have Zadarius on this roster here in 2023. They still think there's a pretty good football player there. Yeah, we can debate him falling off a cliff the final half of last year, but they really think there's at least another good year, if not multiple good years left. And I get it. Back history, like that scares you. Knee issues last year, like I get it. You can argue he is a player that is completely breaking down, but I'm just telling you the Vikings felt like he could really contribute in 2023, but he said his goodbyes on social media. He didn't want to be here. He was not willing to play under the terms of his contract. He gets the reworked deal with Cleveland. In the end, I was told there were three teams. I wish I could tell you the other two. I was told that one was at least an NFC team, so it wasn't three AFC teams. So I think the Vikings definitely were more interested in shipping him to the AFC as opposed, I mean, if you're not getting all that much in return, right, two fives, you give up a six and a seven, right? Like you're going to send him to the other conference. You didn't want him to stay in the NFC, but there was an NFC team interested. The trade is now official as of this morning. Don't know if this is out or not, but the Vikings end up eating just over a million dollars. It's not much money that they are eating in this transaction, but Mary Kay Cabot of the Cleveland Plain Dealer had the note late on Friday that the Vikings would be eating some money in this transaction. The money is just over $1 million. Yeah, Field Yates uh, this morning confirming it was okay. uh, $1.1 uh, The Vikings will eat in form of the signing bonus. Uh, the Browns adjust Smith's cap charge down to $3.02 million in 2023, and Smith's upside in 2023 is up to $13 million in cash. That's how the 
fun organization goes with the cap hit and the trade ramifications with the Vikings. And heck, I mean, good situation for him being on the opposite side of Miles Garrett. Yeah. I mean, it looks like it's a really good situation. Knows Dalvin Tomlinson there real well. Like, that's a really good defensive line with the Browns. They have all sorts of high expectations, right, with a full year of Deshaun Watson, Kevin Stefanski, a lot of hope with the former Vikings OC. So, good deal for Cleveland. Like, I really like it for Cleveland. But the fact the Vikings were able to salvage something didn't, in the end, have to just outright release him. I don't think it's all doom and gloom on the Vikings side. But, yeah, thank you that the field put that out there. I did not see that. So, Duke, what ultimately didn't he like here? Because he wanted, what, more money, a restructured He wanted more money. Yeah, I mean, that's it, Judd. But, but I mean, as confused, far as I can tell, he liked the infrastructure here. He liked bank. being a Viking. He liked everything about TCO Performance Center, being here in Minnesota. Outside of the outdated house that he originally bought, right? I mean, he liked but a lot Cleveland of things didn't break here. The bank, Dukes. What's that? Like, so Cle- Cleveland restructured his contract, mm-hmm. but they didn't exactly break the bank. So I'm just a little bit confused as to why, if the Vikings wanted to retain him, like the Vikings could have redone that contract. They could have, so but he was looking for a raise here. I don't know all the inner workings of that, okay, Judd. So he, he was here. looking, okay. whatever the base, That's I don't even one. have the base in front of me for 2023 whatever he was set to make here in minnesota okay he made it clear through his old representation changed representation in the last 10 to 14 days Mm -hmm. right with his old representation he made it well known with them that hey if i'm staying there in minnesota they need to bump up my base salary so dudes with what now 10 million dollars extra in in cap savings i guess for the vikings what do we do here with this cap savings is, is this I, I think judd and Mackey, we threw this out idea on purple daily today does this go towards making daniel hunter happier does this go towards a free agent resource we haven't mentioned yet what do you think the first inkling is now that they have a little bit more cap space to play with after trading Zedaria Smith? Well, I mean, I was curious on maybe a free agent signing, right? So you look at the best free agents available right now. Dalton Reisner is still out there. Mm-hmm. A really capable guard. One could easily argue an upgrade over Ed Ingram, right? Maybe even an upgrade over Ezra Cleveland. Specifically at the guard position has history with the Vikings offensive line coach. The Vikings offensive line coach with his Broncos ties was at Dalton's wedding. So they have this tight bond. But as of yesterday, nothing. Crickets. The Vikings have not inquired about Dalton Reisner. What about a pass rusher, right? Ngakwe is out there. You've got Leonard Floyd out there. I haven't checked on every single name, but on Floyd, nothing yet. Now you wonder, right, with his Rams history, maybe eventually. So it's not like it's completely off my radar. But in the moment, real time, or at least in the last 24 hours, Nothing cooking on the Floyd front. I mean, very immediately, they'll get the Jordan Addison contract done. I mean, they haven't done officially that deal, right? So they will sign their first-round pick. But, yeah, I would not be shocked. I mean, uh, Declan, you tell me, going back, what, six weeks, eight weeks, ten weeks, twelve weeks, I've been saying I see Daniil here in 2023, and we know. I mean, he's not playing under his current terms. That base salary is so low that they need to do something. So, yes. At some point before training camp begins, or maybe it's in August, but before week one against Tampa, I can't see the Vikings giving Daniil a bump. So, yes, that would be something that absolutely would be on my radar. So if you were to look at that, too, though, so we, we've got one year so far of Quasi and this executive staff. You know, 
we had this exact same conversation on this show about a thousand times last year about J.C. Treader. And he was out there and he was out there and he was clearly politicking to try try to get a job and didn't. Um, I wonder if that leads us to believe that the Vikings are going to try to allocate what they save on their own roster. Hawkinson contract extension, Jefferson, go down the Hunter and not go outside because they really, if I'm correct, Dukes, they showed no predisposition to sign veteran free agents on the open market once the spring hit last year, correct? Yeah, I mean, they made a trade or two, right? Like, you know, the Nick Mullins trade. But yeah, for the most part, yeah. I mean, my recollection right. is that you're spot on on that front. So yeah, I mean, until I hear otherwise, right now, I mean, the roster is always fluid. It's not like they're on vacation or anything like that. So they're constantly talking to folks, right? It's more agents calling the Vikings saying, okay, my client is still out there. Do you have any interest, right? Hey, like everybody sees those NFL PA marks, right? How it's great to be a Viking, right? So, I mean, if you have yeah. a free agent pass rusher or a free agent offensive lineman, you see the Vikings didn't draft an offensive lineman, right? You're like, okay, let me reach out to the Vikings to see if they have interest in my client. So that's what a lot of agents are doing this time of the year. But until I hear otherwise, Judd, there's just no steam on the Vikings reciprocating, you know, on the back end of those of those phone calls. Uh, other in, uh, notes from rookie minicamp, Judd, uh, or uh, uh, my God, Phil, Judd, Doogie, whatever the hell your name is over there. I'm used to looking at Phil over as there. As long as you call me, heck, call me whatever you want, Daglin, right? I mean, Sid used to call me. I can't necessarily say it. Yeah, well, can I? I don't even know the rules. What are the rules with no, our digital side of things? Like, uh, no, we, still do we have leeway? Nah, no. We, we're still family approach. Tom Bernard does, time. but we, 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 we really have not don't. graduated no, that. Swear. Got it. Yeah. I mean, I just I haven't right. had that conversation with Phil, so I don't know. What's applicable, yeah, what is not. So, yeah, I mean, you know, Sid had a certain term for me yes. back in the day, right? It was a term of endearment. I felt like, hey, he called me it because he really liked me, right? Uh, so, I mean, heck, if you want to call me like that, that, Declan, whatever the heck you want to call me, you call me what you want. Uh, I saw you and uh, your co- your co-sport, uh, Alec, at uh, Vikings training camp over on Friday. Uh, I saw you guys talking to Jordan Addison. You got some film. What, uh, what notes do you have from Vikings rookie minicamp? Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to, you know over I bonded with analyze you. we did we did bond yeah for a bit judd was capturing fantastic video on his yes he was on his iphone yep saw it all over what tiktok yeah, instagram twitter kids, yeah kids love me dude when i think of judd's all yeah. i think mr social media that's right so yeah he was kids. he was fully engaged yeah i mean i'm trying to talk with judd and he's just he's so locked in on yep. that jaron <laughs> hall to jordan too, addison so i don't pass. want you talking yeah, like but, i want the field sound yeah but i mean you know the guys that stood out were the guys that weren't under contract that now the Vikings signed as of Tuesday morning. My guy, Sam Schluter, the former golfer. I spent some time with Sam in January. He was doing a bunch of workouts with John Michael Schmitz over a training house in Egan. You know, I first featured Sam when he was coming out of high school, when he signed with the Gophers. So really happy for Sam. He can play left tackle. He can play right tackle. Spent some time last year on the Jets practice squad. He was actually here in August. He was in camp with the 49ers before suffering an injury. So that joint practice with the 49ers. By the way, if you look at the Vikings preseason schedule, the way it, you know, times out, I mean, I just, I wouldn't be shocked if the Vikings look to bring the Tennessee Titans in to Egan for a day or two of practice. You consider their GM history with Quasey, with the 49ers, all that. So I'll keep an eye on that. I don't have that like nailed down, but you just, you look at how the schedule would shake out comparable to last year, right before that Vikings 49ers game. 
at U.S. Bank Stadium. Would not be shocked if the Vikings look to do something comparable this year with the Tennessee Titans based on the preseason schedule. But yeah, super happy for, for my guy Sam. You've got the fullback whose last name I would botch. Zach, he's from Minnesota Duluth. He's a Blaine kid, right? So the Vikings love those UMD fullbacks. So <laughs> you think about those two guys, right? They weren't under contract. They are now under contract. So clearly the weekend went really well for those guys. But like you notice, I mean, the Vikings feel like Jordan Addison is the best route runner in this draft class. Well, I mean, just watching him put his foot in the ground, well, you can change direction. I mean, that was on full display when we had full access on Friday, Jaron Hall didn't have the best day on Friday, but I'm not going to overanalyze him missing some deep throws, right? Makai Blackman had a nice conversation with him post-practice, how much he embraces tackling. That came at an early age. You know, he loves to track the ball. He's super happy. The corner who likes to tackle. It's yeah, a miracle. I know. He's super happy that he landed here. I'm telling you, I will put the over-under at Makai Blackman starts for the Vikings this year at like six and a half to seven and a half. Like, I'm not sure he starts week one. But I'm telling you, Judd, like I think Makai Blackman is going to start a handful of games for the Vikings this year. I'm not talking 2024. I'm talking this year as a rookie. Mm-hmm. Wolf scoopage. Yeah, so I mean, what can you tell us about? The they're all in team? Chicago. I just found out Adam Flagler is a point guard I like from Baylor. Right? You think about Jordan McLaughlin, non-guaranteed contract. Will Jordan be back next year? Can they look to potentially upgrade the backup point guard spot? But to yeah. me, when you're picking 53. Like, it doesn't matter what position. Like, just try to find the next Josh Minot because I think Josh Minot has a chance to be in the rotation as soon as next year. Like, he's going to be in the rotation. I'm positive of that. But maybe it's two years out. But I think Josh Minot out of Memphis, their second-round pick last year, has a chance. He's, in fact, in town right now. Him and Wendell Moore Jr. are getting some work in right now at Mayo Clinic Square. So the work is underway to crack the rotation for next season. That work is underway Right now, so when picking at 53, that's their lone pick in the June draft, right? You think about tonight being the draft lottery, how in years past, how, you know, today, tonight was such an exciting night for Wolves fans, just hoping, praying they could maybe move up in the lottery, right? Which, you know, few and far between so many times, either maintaining their spot or moving backwards, but the lottery doesn't matter tonight for the Wolves. Now, it might be a kick in the gut if you see Utah, or Oklahoma City, right, or New Orleans, right, a team maybe slightly below you, if they end up with the first pick, this transformational 7-3 big man, Victor from France, who plays like a point guard, right? I mean, they're saying he's the best draft prospect since LeBron James. That includes Zion Williamson. That includes Anthony Edwards. So can you imagine if the Thunder or the Jazz, or even the Spurs, but... Like, I'm thinking Thunder, Jazz, Pelicans, if one of those franchises moves up to pick one tonight, that would be a kick in the gut mm. if you're if you're a Wolves fan. But, yeah, the Wolves are interviewing a bunch of prospects, so, you know, the Wolves have their full contingent in Chicago. Busy week with, with the draft combine. So I know Adam Flagler, a guard from Baylor, who I do like. I, I really do. I like him. He would be a guy to take a long look at at pick 53. I know he's one of the guys the Wolves will have a formal interview with in the coming days. Look at you breaking down pick 53. Dex? Uh, Dude, a lot of interesting NBA coach candidates out there. I know Chris Finch's job is mostly safe, but man. Trying to get him fired, aren't you? I see Monty Williams out there, dude. (laughs) Come on. You're not intrigued by the um, the idea of Monty Williams coaching in the nucleus around Anthony Edwards? I will tell you, Declan, Monty and Glenn Taylor go way, way back. So when Monty was Mm. an assistant coach 
07, 08, all the years blend together when you get to 43 years old. But he was an assistant with the Portland Trailblazers. His name came up. In fact, he had some sort of conversation with the Wolves. This was before, way before he was an accomplished head coach. Right, Mm -hmm. He was just trying to climb up the ladder. Him and Glenn Taylor developed a relationship. So I'll I'll leave it at that. Monty's not going to end up here. Chris Finch is not going anywhere. He signed a lucrative multi-year contract extension last April. Glenn Taylor's not eating that contract. I don't think even Mark Laurie and Alex Rodriguez are eating that contract. Mark Laurie drove the bus in large part on that contract extension. So I just, I don't see Chris Finch going anywhere. That's why I continue to say, like, I think next year, this time next year has a chance to be way more fascinating. Yeah, does it make more sense if you're going to trade Cat to do it now compared to a year from now? Yes, it does. Right? And I'm sure... Teams will inquire. I'm not sure the Wolves trade cat right now, but I just think whether it's Finch's future, you know, potentially blowing up this core to some extent, like I just, I think next year, this time next year is a chance to be a lot more fascinating than right now. But when you bring up Monty, yeah, I mean, the Wolves, specifically Glenn Taylor, I mean, they have, they have a rock solid relationship, a mutual respect that goes back well over a decade, but I imagine Monty ends up, I don't know if it's Milwaukee, Toronto, right? I mean, he's going to coach somewhere. He's an excellent coach. Fuel on the fire, baby. That's what that's called, though. <laughs> Throwing it out there. I do like it. This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. Uh, Twin scoops. Yeah, so Royce Lewis plays his first game with the St. Paul Saints tonight. Unfortunately, the Saints are on the road in Columbus, Ohio, so not at CHS Field. But the idea is now his 60-day injured list, you know, stint, I mean, that doesn't even expire for like two-ish weeks. So the Twins can't call up Royce Lewis until, I don't know if it's the last day of May, the first day of June, the second day of June. But the idea is he's going to get a lot of third-base reps with the St. Paul Saints. That The idea is with Jose Miranda down, working on some stuff, third base is open at the major league level that Royce Lewis hopefully can slot in at some point in the next two to three to four weeks. So look for Royce Lewis to get plenty of run, maybe not exclusively at third base, but he is going to get plenty of third base reps with the St. Paul Saints. Kenta Maeda getting back on the mound here short term before the week is over. I can tell you, though, internally, they certainly have had the discussion about, okay, when Kenta is good to go, how exactly do we use him? Do we really right. want to make a move on Louis Varland? Does it make sense to keep the rotation as is? Bailey Ober, Louis Varland. Would it make some sense to have Kent to be a long reliever out of the pen? Those are discussions I would say that are that are ongoing, but by no means do I think it's a one hundred percent lock that once Kenta is activated, he is ready to go, that he's automatically slotted back in to the starting rotation. Certainly among the possibilities. But in this moment, like I just don't think, okay. A week and a half from now, okay, you can slot Kenta and Louis Varland out. Dukes, they've obviously been able to use some great pitchers, to your point, and Louis Varland. Bailey Obers also look great. You know, Josh Winder could obviously still be an internal option. 
But yeah, Kenta Maeda kind of clogs things up a little bit if if they want to either put him in the pen or they get him back in the rotation. I mean, all of a sudden, it seems like the Twins actually have a plethora of starting pitching options for basically like the first time in my lifetime. I can't remember the last time the Twins, the last 20 years, legitimately have as many horses as they do in their rotation. Yeah, I mean, don't forget about Simeon Woods Richardson. I mean, Declan, he is fully capable of starting if they needed him tomorrow at Dodger Stadium. Simeon Woods Richardson would not embarrass himself. I'd even argue, admittedly biased, I promise, right? Admittedly biased. I was over at CHS Field, the last homestand, caught up with my... My buddy Randy Dobnak, okay, but the Dobber. There's still, there's still potentially something there. Now he's not on the forty man, so you'd have to do some roster gymnastics. But Randy Dobnak, now, hey, for Randy's future, I actually hope the Twins trade him. That maybe there's some other organization that needs some pitching depth. That maybe he can go help a different organization. But for right now, like if you needed him, Randy Dobnak is fully capable. Aaron Sanchez. You know who's pitched in the majors before? Pitched with the Twins last year. Right now, they were hoping to keep Derek Rodriguez claimed off waivers yesterday by the Braves. Right, So you lose a potential depth piece. But I'm telling you, Sanchez, Dobnek, but you know, atop that list of the names you didn't list, Simeon Woods, Richardson. Yeah, I mean, just talking with some Saints officials when I was over at CHS on, on the last homestand, they were telling me, what is this, year three of the Saints being the Twins AAA affiliate? Mm-hmm. Like you compare years one and two, to now, depth-wise, it's a blowout. Much more deeper today compared to the last two years. So um, since you were there, top of mind, after the Phil Cuzzy show, <laughs> did you get any Saints feedback on, on the electronic strike zone that they are trying in two forms? One is that the electronic strike zone is used for entire games for a part of a series, and then for a part of the series that challenge system, which interestingly enough, Dukes only includes pitchers, catchers, and hitters. So the manager can't challenge um, what the feedback is, because I would take it if this is positive, we're going to get some form of that as early as 2024 in MLB. Absolutely. Yeah. The feedback is positive. What I see in 2024 is not the ABS automatic ball strikes. It's the challenge. Yeah. I think that's coming. Yeah. I think it's coming in 2024. I do. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, certainly Saints officials are considering that, you know, possibility being, you know, a strong likelihood as well. You know, the thing the Saints are doing is trying to take the emotion out of it as hard as that is for the pitcher, right? Mm -hmm. That it's maybe better for the catcher. So when talking about when on defense, pitcher, catcher, that it makes more sense for the catcher to issue the challenge, not the pitcher, that the catcher has a better sense of, Okay, where that ball crossed, how the catcher maybe moved his glove a little bit to try to frame, whatever it might be, that the catcher is better off making that call versus the emotion of the pitcher on the mound, right? But, like, they've had success. I mean, the first series it was used, Kyle Garlick got rang up. He issues the challenge, sure enough. Pitch was outside. He ends up, I believe he ended up on base. I don't remember how the at-bat played out, but... You know, he got another, at least one more pitch right after he was rung up. So I think that's coming. So they are using that. It's the weekend, right? So automatic ball strikes is, so at AAA, you play these six-game series, right? Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday is the electronic, the ABS, the automatic ball strikes. Friday through Sunday is when they are implementing the the challenge system. So Friday through Sunday, what they're using now at AAA Yes, Judd, I see that coming to Major League Baseball next year. 
Interesting. So it is because um, I, I think that there was a game last week or something where Sanchez got hit hard it, early in the game, and he actually used two of the three challenges and was ruled to be wrong. So what, what you said makes sense is a pitcher, like what, what you don't want is a guy in the first to be like, challenge, 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 they're all gone. So it makes Yeah, there is a strategy, too, you when you use the, the challenges. Yeah, because yeah. if you're wrong, 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 exactly. you're done. Yes. Right, so there and absolutely manager, is a strategy. And while I say the Saints want the catcher, it's yep. still hard. Like in the moment, a pitcher, overly emotional, may just say challenge, right? And so yep. I haven't watched every piece of video hat, to, right? to break it down. Yeah, whatever the signal is, yeah. right? So I don't think it's perfect right now with the Saints, but in an ideal world at all times for the Saints, now maybe the Columbus Clippers or you name the AAA franchise, they do it differently. But the Saints, the idea is in an ideal world, it's the catcher issuing the challenge, not the pitcher. I, I was told that there was a game recently where uh, Toby Gardenhire or somebody from the dugout yelled challenge, and the umpire said, no, play on, because when you yell that, you can't you can't trigger the actual Correct. challenge. So like this, this could be great fun. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. The challenge could be great fun because it's going to be and, – and I could just – I mean, there are a lot of guys who are – uh, in M- MLB, who I, who I could see early on being like, oh yeah, challenge that. I mean, Miguel well, I mean, if Sano you're really, really sure, to challenge everything he was ever involved. Right. I mean, in. you can challenge as often as you want if you keep being right. It's not like it's three and done. Right, but if you're wrong, but if you're wrong, yeah. Mm-hmm. But like you think about that Alex Kirloff at bat last night in extra innings. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, he knows you tweeted it, Chud. Like he knows the strike zone as well as anybody on that roster. Yes. He knew the one pitch was outside, and he knew, we all knew, <laughs> the other pitch was, oh my God, it wasn't even close. It was so inside. Oh. Right? So you think about the implementation of, of the challenge next year, Alex Kirloff maybe doesn't strike out in that at-bat last night. That wouldn't shock me at all either. Uh, Dukes, any other final twin scoops before we get to uh, rapid-fire scoops here? Trying to think. No. Nothing. Nothing that's... That's top of mind. Tyler Malley, Dr. Keith Meister, the czar of, of Tommy John surgery. Uh, it hasn't been settled that he's going to do the Tyler Malley surgery, but he's the one that Tyler went to for, for a second opinion. And I think I actually said, so the news officially broke when we were chatting on Thursday, right, Judd? And so I said, I had all sorts of questions in the moment. Why didn't the twins have him undergo an MRI? Why couldn't the twins figure this out? Why did it take the second opinion? Uh-huh. Bottom line is Meister being the czar of Tommy John surgery. Like he's got every piece of technology available at his Texas office. Right. And so he just, he has access to stuff. The twins don't have access to. So in the moment, I was just asking some fair questions. What I believe were fair questions wasn't necessarily knocking the twins just in that moment, live real time. Like we're reacting. The news breaks. Tyler uh-huh. Malley to undergo Tommy John surgery. I have a Right, yep. so I just said, "Hey, okay, why couldn't the twins come to that conclusion? What exactly was going on when Tyler himself is saying on April twenty seventh, hey, you know, I feel pretty darn good.' I'm paraphrasing, but he didn't think it was anything like this. There were different sort of, you know, clues via, you know, Rocco that okay, you know, maybe it's not that bad. And mm-hmm. lo and behold, right? I mean, athletes all the time seek out second opinions. Nothing wrong with that, but." You know, you go down to Texas, you get the Dr. Meister second opinion. Well, okay, he needs 
Tommy John surgery. But the point is, Meister's got access to stuff the Twins just don't. So it's not necessarily a knock on the Twins. It made sense for Tyler to go get that second opinion mm-hmm. from the guy mm-hmm. that you know knows Tommy John better than anyone right now, Dr. Keith Meister. And so yep. lo and behold, he's got the technology. He read the MRI, maybe took some different angles MRI-wise and came to the conclusion, yes, Tyler, you need Tommy John surgery. Don't ever forget that Score North is your home of reckless speculation, which leads me to this. I want you to recklessly speculate. Well, I'll give you one more, too. Did I mention on Caleb Thielbar? I don't know when the 15 days expires. Yeah. But that's a short-term injury. So until I hear otherwise that it's something that's going to keep him out, I mean, they miss him, right? I mean, you know, that Griffin Jack struggling, although how about that? Fair oh. ball that was a foul ball. Yeah, but Griffin Jacks up. has not been. Great. No, he hasn't. Like, let's but, make no mistake. Yeah, I've but the um, the, the first base ump didn't do yeah, any oh, favors. Screwed. Yeah, he screwed last night. Brock Stewart is moving up the pecking huh? order ladder, right? You know, but right now, outside of Duran, I mean, I still think Lopez has a pretty high ceiling. But like, how can you not find the strike, strike zone against Trace throw, Thompson throw, last night? Trace Thompson strike. has as many hits as you do, Judd, this year, right? Just throw it over the plate. For yeah. Pete's sakes, and then right. couldn't and all that. But all right, back to my question. Bar, short-term injury. Yeah, go ahead. Back to my question. Mm-hmm. Do I sense there's a little bit of frustration with Max Kepler's latest stint on the IL? That was originally described as a cramp. And Rocco o- over the weekend basically said, we can't really find much wrong, but if he can't play, like it was just a very, it was an interesting way to phrase it, I thought. Do I sense some, and, and it's not, look, it's actually open playing time for guys that the Twins probably like to see play. But I sensed a little bit of frustration with this uh, potential uh, latest hamstring problem from X Kepler. Yeah, I mean, it opened up think? an opportunity for Trevor Larnick, right? I mean, he hit a bullet last night. Well, he hit a few bullets, had some mm-hmm. bad luck, but then eventually hits the three-run homer, right? And and they send him down to, to St. Paul. Falvey and Levine were at Dunkers last week. So they were talking about how they've told Trevor, well, they told him when he went down for those handful of games with the Saints, like literally, we don't want you swinging at fastballs. Pretty much all you see at the big league level is off-speed stuff. Like, we need you to work on the off-speed stuff, right? So, like, we can replicate some stuff pregame, having you work on on the off-speed stuff. But, like, in-game, we literally are asking you to not swing at fastball so you can swing at some of these off-speed pitches. So, you know, good opportunity again for, for Larnick. On Kepler, Great. Great it's one thing after another. I don't know, I know. like, this one instance... There's all sorts of internal frustration, but yes. like he's a quirky personality to begin with. Yes, he is. And so, yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's not necessarily eye rolling, but yeah, I mean, even before this injury, there's been people over there that just have wondered some stuff that goes back to the winter when they had an opportunity to trade him. Yeah. The return wasn't going to be grandiose, but they probably maybe should have made that move. Right, especially with Matt Walner, who's fully capable. Matt Walner, to me, is wasting his time at AAA. Matt Walner is a big leaguer right now. And, yeah, there's a lot of swing and miss. And, yeah. Or don't trade Ben Rickard. Let's see, you know, 750 at-bats for Walner or 1,000 at-bats. Let's not draw these, like, firm conclusions. But I do Mm -hmm. think Matt Walner right now, today, is a big leaguer. So, to me, he's wasting his time at AAA. So, like, I could have easily made a case for trading Max Kepler in the winter. Final scoops. Yeah, so I spent some time... Yesterday over at the Institute for Athletes office in downtown Minneapolis with my longtime buddy Blake Barretts, NFL agent, represents Adam Thielen, represents C.J. Ham. So when C.J. Ham, he told me he was very surprised at that extension. 
Right? You just you look at CJ's role last year, how diminished it was. Right? Yeah, the Vikings wanted to create some immediate cap space, some 2023 cap space. But like I said to Blake, like if I had told you on January 12th or January 1st that two months later CJ Ham would be signing an extension, what would you have told me? He would have said, You're nuts. Like never in a million <laughs> years did he foresee this offseason a CJ Ham extension happening. So just a reminder of how crazy the sports world can be, stuff that you try to project just doesn't happen and stuff that just isn't on your radar, you know, becomes a thing. On Adam Thielen, Carolina was the only franchise that was willing to do that contract. So really, it's a two-year deal. Then we'll see after that second year. It was framed as a three-year deal, but it's really a two-year deal. But, like, he took the visit. He was sold on Frank Reich. You know, there's a big belief in Bryce Young. That division, to me, stinks. Like, that division's wide open. Carolina could win that division. Sure. And so, you know, he was sold. I mean, the visit really, really helped. Like, I don't know if Adam on March, you know, whatever it was, the day he was released, like if you would have said to Adam, hey, you're going to be a Carolina Panther, he may have said, what? Huh? No way. But after the visit, which he did in the middle of his spring break, he was on a trip with his family, but he flew to Charlotte for the day, right? Mm -hmm. Like they really sold him, but certainly the contract helped as well. But Blake mentioned, you know, teams like the Broncos had interest, history with George Payton, right? Mm -hmm. But Denver probably needed to move Jerry Judy or a different receiver, and so there were moving parts there. So Denver, just it wasn't going to happen. But there was some interest. Kansas City, there was some interest. Buffalo, reuniting with Stephon Diggs, right? Some interest cool. if Diggs is okay with his situation. Who the heck knows with, with Diggs on a yearly basis. But presuming Diggs is okay there in Buffalo for 2023. But, you know, the Bills, the Chiefs, the Broncos, they just they weren't going to do the, the contract that, that Carolina did. So, you know, just all-encompassing. Right, really enjoying the visit, being sold on, you know, a coach that has accomplished some stuff, Frank Reich, you know, sure. believing in, you know, the number one, you know, prospect quarterback wise, you know, from this draft class, and they end up taking him number one, his success at Alabama, Bryce Young, right? Just looking at the vision, saying, okay, you know, maybe we can do something this year, but certainly by 2024, the future looks pretty darn bright. Great stuff, Dukes. We'll talk to you Thursday, okay? Got it. One other note. What else did I write down? I was over at Benilde St. Margaret's, Judd. I did not see a Judd Zolgad statue or anything like that, but I was at Benilde yesterday. They have the number one MLB draft prospect in Minnesota, an outfielder by the name of Easton Breifogel. So, in fact, after I got done with him, he said he was going to have dinner with a Mariner scout. Now, I don't think he's going to get picked high enough in July to ultimately sign to start his pro career. So I think he ends up in Tucson, but pretty impressive that you have a kid from the Twin Cities that will play college baseball at the University of Arizona. He's not the first, right? Florida's come up here to recruit some kids. North Carolina recruits up here a bunch. Yeah. Hey, Arizona does. There's a kid from Hopkins High School on the Arizona roster right now. So it's not unheard of, but to Mm -hmm. me, still very impressive when you have a Twin Cities kid that will play in the Pac-12 in Tucson at the University of Arizona. Great stuff, Dukes. Thanks. Talk to you Thursday. See you, boys. Bye-bye.